0: Well, my brothers and sisters, today is the anniversary, the 44th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, a very uh, important Supreme Court decision that was made uh, concerning um, uh, elective abortion. And uh, since that time, uh, great tragedy uh, has really gripped our nation. Something along the lines of 60 million uh, children have been aborted. And the uh, United States population is 300, uh, million. We're talking, what, fifth or sixth of the whole population has been, has been aborted. So it's a very serious issue. And, um, uh, this week there'll be, uh, the March for Life in Washington DC that's going to be taking place on Friday. So in light of, this important uh, time of the year in light of the March for Life, I thought I'd give a pro-life homily. I won't be focusing though on abortion. uh, Pro-life, the the church's pro-life stance is very uh, broad and encompasses a lot of different issues, not just abortion. So another pressing issue in the pro-life arena is what's called physician-assisted suicide. And uh, so I'd like to speak about that today um starting with a little story, here, kind of a tragic story. Very a uh, woman who's well known right now, was a few years ago, uh her name is uh, Brittany Maynard and she's uh was 29 years old and was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. She's a, a resident of the state of California and uh she had been just married and she's a very beautiful woman, her husband was a handsome guy, they had this kind of storybook wedding, uh, nice couple. And so she's diagnosed with this terminal brain cancer. And uh she decides she's gonna move to Oregon uh, because in Oregon you can it's the physician assisted suicide is legal. So she's gonna go there and she's gonna take her life. Okay. And uh she has become famous, she has become kind of the poster child for physician assisted suicide with the help of a very, very wealthy organization. Um, that's being funded by billionaire George Soros. So there's a lot of money uh, behind these uh, lobbyists and these company, uh, these corp- these uh, organizations that push for these things. And uh here she is, you know, this young woman uh with this very supportive husband, kind of this picture-perfect couple, everybody feels bad for her, and she's able to get people sympathy, and so her native state, California, not too much longer uh, more than a year later, passes this bill and legalizes physician-assisted suicide, uh, largely as a result of this kind of campaign that that this woman, Brittany Maynard, went on. Well, here's a story about another woman, young woman as well, she's in her early thirties. Uh her name is Stefan Packer. And like Brittany, she was diagnosed with a terminal disease of some sort, very serious, she didn't have too much time to live. And um, she receives, uh, it's, uh, actually it has to do with cancer, okay? Um, she receives, a week after the bill passes in California that pushes through and legalizes physician-assisted suicide, she receives in the mail um, notification from her insurance company that her chemotherapy has been denied her. And soon after, she learns that her insurance will, in fact, cover suicide bills for the very, very low price of a dollar and twenty cents. So <laughs> we can see where some of this is going. Um, now, that in, in um, Stephanie's case, there was kind of there's kind of a happy ending to it because uh, she had a journalist friend. Not all journalists are bad. <laughs> she had a journalist friend who actually said, Oh, this is a scoop, you know? And so he, he or she, whoever it was, calls up the insurance company and wants to get a comment from the insurance company on this. And the insurance company declines comments. The very next day, Stephanie receives a phone call that says they're going to cover her chemotherapy. <laughs> so we can thank God for that. Um, but uh, I, I think maybe what I want to... I think... What I want to springboard off of these these two stories of these young ladies who had families and husbands and uh, and whatnot um, is that uh, the stats don't line up with that picture. Brittany Maynard is not the average person who takes advantage, who makes the the unfortunate decision to elect for physician assisted suicide. Uh, in the state of Oregon, now who, that has had this practice for a few years now, there's statistics, very accurate statistics, being released. And uh, so there's been a few hundred people in Oregon who have taken their lives in this manner. And uh, three out of four are senior citizens. They're not young, beautiful ladies. They're, they're senior citizens. They're in their 70s. And uh, they uh, most of them are women. Most uh, had no health insurance or only government health insurance. Most had no living spouse. So again, in real contrast to Brittany Maynard, who had this very loving, supportive husband, these these people don't have a living spouse. And uh, all of them, pretty much this 96%, received no uh, psychological evaluation uh, beforehand. And uh, the pills are just given to the people, and they say, have at it, go for it. Hmm. So there's no physician oversight, nothing like that. They just go home and they, they take the pills and kill themselves. And, uh, so really what's going on here, if you study the phenomena that's called, you know, you've got, we've got child abuse, right? There's different forms of abuse that take place, domestic abuse. There's also something that's referred to as elder abuse. It's a real thing. So senior citizens of a certain, you know, over a certain age, they take are taken advantage of by younger people. And actually the statistics that uh delineate the profile of the people who opt for physician-assisted suicide exactly match the statistics of those who are um, you know kind of like prime candidates for elder abuse. Usually women over 65, 70, something years old, they have no living spouse, and there is some family member either. A niece, or even a, it could be a son or daughter, unfortunately, uh, who is manipulating them and taking advantage of them, uh, especially their funds as well. Uh, and they're feeling, and they're usually lower income, and they're feeling very isolated and lonely, and that they have no support. So I think, basically, we can conclude that state-sanctioned suicide is really state-sanctioned elder abuse. Um, the deeper issue here, you know, the, the this this group that pushes and lobbies for physician assisted suicide does it in the name of well the person has the right over their own life. First of all that's not true. <laughs> okay. Our life we didn't give ourselves our own life. It's been given to us by uh by nature, by by our creator, and it really doesn't belong to us but on loan, so to speak. We're stewards of our life and we're responsible <laughs> to take care of it, but it's really not ours in an absolute sense. Uh and so we're accountable to how We uh, manage our life to uh, a higher power, to to God Almighty. So it's not true that our life is our own and we can take it. Okay, But the the deeper issue really is that uh, it's not that the people who elect for physician-assisted suicide are trying to exert their right or something like that. It's more like they don't feel that they have a right to be a burden to their family. That's really the deeper psychological motivation of these people and they feel that they're losing control of their life, and other people have to take care of them, and their dignity depends on whether or not they're independent. Okay, So uh, both of those issues are, are not true. They're just misconceptions in the people's minds. Human dignity is based simply on the fact that we're made in the image of God. Okay, It resides in human nature, period. All human beings have dignity that's inherent to them simply by the fact that they're human beings. Uh, so regardless of whether you're young and, and beautiful and sexy or able to climb a mountain or have fun or be productive in the economy or whatever, doesn't matter. So you say you're lacking all of those things. You have human dignity simply because you're a human being. So the people, you know, in their depression, their loneliness, they succumb to the thought of like, oh I'm worthless. I'm not worth anything because I can't really go out and have fun and do things for myself and I gotta, you know, ask help from other people. And uh, I don't, I feel like I'm doing something wrong, like I don't have the right to be a burden to my family. That's, that's how they really feel. And that is, that's not true at all. Every human being has a right to be accepted and loved and respected and cared for. Everyone has the right to be a burden. Uh, and then conversely, we all have an obligation to carry one another, to not look at each other as, as bad birds, but as people that we, we want to love as brothers and sisters and we want to carry them. And we need to pass from apathy and indifference to the suffering of our neighbor to compassion and to concern. So, uh, and then a- another aspect... That is involved with the, the motivation of the people who elect for physician assisted suicide. Is they're afraid of, of unknown pain and suffering. Believe it or not, that's actually more like a minor motive. It's a lesser motive, but it is there. Um, and you know, just as our society promotes the idea that you know you're only worth something if you're young and you're beautiful, um, it also really through various avenues and, and channels communicates to us very effectively that the greatest evil in life is, is pain and suffering. That's the greatest evil. I mean, that's, that's the kind of message that we get, uh, unless you have Christianity and the truth of Christianity to counterbalance that falsehood. Of course, unnecessary suffering is unnecessary and stupid. We should try to avoid it. And we have very good palliative care uh, nowadays with our medical advances, um, and so that our loved ones who uh, who are dying do not have to be in pain, because we have we have very good palliative care. Um, but the bigger picture, though, is that suffering is not the greatest evil. Sin is the greatest evil. Sin is the greatest evil because sin separates us from God. Suffering does not separate us from God. Okay, uh, and God is our greatest good. And Jesus came, and he used human suffering to destroy sin. And when we suffer, we can join our suffering to that of Jesus Christ, and it can become meaningful and redemptive for ourselves and for other people. We're all familiar with the old-fashioned Catholic saying, Offer it up. You know, It can be kind of uh, not meaning to be trite, yet there's a real profound truth to it. Uh, is that we can take our suffering and through the suffering of Jesus Christ and because of his cross, our suffering can be of value for uh, the good of other people and for ourselves. So uh, we see in our gospel today in our in the prophet Isaiah it talks about uh, um, there's people dwelling in this land of gloom and darkness and then light has come and has shattered that darkness. Uh we oftentimes, we want light without darkness. But that's not what God has ordained for us. He has ordained light in the midst of darkness. Light coming after the darkness, light coming really through, and even because of the darkness. Jesus went through suffering so that our suffering, our darkness, uh, can be meaningful, and we can have that hope of light in the end. And uh, if we love one another if we are able to accept love from each other and accept help, um, and if we're able able to give love, we'll find in the midst of that darkness of suffering, of our end of life and diseases and whatnot, we'll find that light. It's the light of love. So my brothers and sisters, let's pray um, for all pro-life issues and uh, let's support our brothers and sisters who are going on the the pro-life, the March for Life this week. Um, At the end of Mass, I'll just briefly mention the two handouts that I got back there. Uh, Thank you for listening to this important topic.